I am Superman and Urzan Jan are towards the outside, but master of the sea set sail for home on the outside. Shalia and I am Superman trying to make a race of it. Master of the seas in front by a length and a half. Shalia nagging away, but master of the seas kept Shalia at bay. Third goes the way of I am Superman. Big run in third. Well, the result was as expected in the Zabil Mile with Master of the Seas winning at the very short quote. However, Shalia, the second horse, certainly puts a massive question mark on the whole race. I Am Superman ties in well for third, but it's hard not to have the second horse running a clear new career peak if you want to rate Master of the Seas up to his prior best form. So in a bit of limbo with that race, modern news, arguably uh, in contention for flop of the week. Ridden forward by James Doyle and didn't give a yelp in the straight. Uh, he doesn't win the flop of the week, but he was certainly in contention. But Master of the Seas, even with the question mark on the second horse, easily the highest rated horse anywhere in the world on the weekend. He should have good improvement to come off that and expect him to be a little better when they step him out over further. So one to follow over in Dubai. I'm Superman. Thought his run was fair. Beaten four lengths, but he's another that should improve in his first outing over in Dubai. It'll continue to heat up here on out. We don't have our fearless leader this week, Adam Blanco, taking some time off. So he's subbing the gun, who is more than worthy of filling the big shoes. And while he wasn't able to land the third leg of the Saturday multi, the boys have been into him all morning. Very excited to be part of the weekend review. And you've had your hands all over the New Zealand ratings with Adam away. I have. Thanks, Simo. Um, I guess I feel a bit more welcome today. I'm not sure how I feel come Friday morning when we record the Saturday multi for this upcoming weekend. But uh, look, let the team down. Cop it on the chin. Full credit to the boys. <laughs> they got the job done. I, I let them down. Orbison, what are you doing? He went from home to gone in one stride. Yeah, he hit the probably the biggest wall you've ever seen on a racetrack. They had to check the track after the race to make sure there wasn't a hole in the middle of the straight because he seemed to fall in it. Well, I'm not sure if it was a hole. It might have been a mine shaft. <laughs> not sure about a hole, but uh, no, good to be here. And yeah, been looking over the NZ ratings for the weekend. Karaka Million Day over there at Pukakoi. Emperatriz, workmanlike, but still put up a good number, just not as good as Master of the Seas. Yep, Master of the Seas, clearly the highest rate horse of the weekend. In regards to Imperatriz, second horse does hold it back a bit, even with the pull in the weights that it had. But Imperatriz just... Off her peak there, but the time stacked up all right. So interesting to see when she comes over. If she can run 115, 116 over here, well, she's going to be competitive in whatever mare's race they head towards. One horse that wasn't competitive, disappointingly so. Came up in the Summer Cup at Hobart yesterday. Ethan Perry was on the sidelines, and I'm pretty sure he snapped up the good early odds about Dark Dream. He was backed off the boards. He went terrible. Yeah, very putrid. And unfortunately, if you uh, are all over the Racing and Sports social media pages on Instagram, he had to sadly record him crossing the line in fourth position, just watching his money fall out of his pocket. But um, 16 pounds off his best this campaign. Yeah, very, very poor effort. I thought he had the run of the race too, Dark Dream. And then when they said, let's go in the straight, he said no. And Swoop Dog, could he do what no horse has done before? Hobart Cup next. And then Launceston, could he sweep the cups? Dark Dream was meant to be some challenge coming down from Melbourne. No doubt there'll be other horses that head that way, but I tell you what, what a horse. Have we fact-checked that? Will, will he be the first to do the treble? 
Well, he's going to do four. Four. Devonport Cup, Summer Cup, Hobart, Launceston. What mate, a horse. What mate, an outstanding racehorse. Someone who follows Tassie Racing is like, Simon, this has happened many times before, but I've got a feeling it hasn't because it's not easy to win those cups as you keep creeping up in the weights, but Swoop Dog, big win. Too strong on speed and now heads towards the Hobart Cup as the number one local contender. Very interested to see who does head down from Melbourne and or Sydney, but Swoop Dog's going to put up a hell of a performance, no doubt, in the Hobart Cup and will be hard to beat there. The Colin Morikawa, this one hurt a little bit. Jeez, we're rattling through. We're just firing it through. Someone's busy. We've got to get through. Adam's away. This is a hell week with him away. But the Colin Morikawa Award, which jockey flushed it this weekend? And this hurt. This was my best bet in Sydney. And when you come in on Monday and you do the sectionals, you want to blame someone else. But you can't. Tim Clark gave Star Sparks every conceivable chance. One of the better losing rides you'll see over the Ramwick Mile. You cannot pace it any better. Unfortunately, just wasn't good enough. And a massive query on this horse now after Saturday. Given it had everything go its own way, both at Park, well backed for Saab Hassan. One of racing's good guys. I think everyone loves Saab and I didn't on Saturday, but on reflection, both at Park, two good star sparks, no excuses. Friend of the show, Saab Hassan, isn't he? Have to be. Have to be. We take all the good guys and he's certainly one of them and a good effort to get Beaufort Park up to Sydney and run that peak performance on speed. As mentioned, when Tim Clark gets at that right in front, if you're not in close vicinity of Tim on the turn, well, you've got no chance and hence Beaufort Park was in the right spot. And they put a massive gap back to third too in the process and seeing him after the race, he was pretty emotional, I think, old Saab. Oh, for sure. Those wins mean a lot. And when he gets a good one, he seems to be able to place it very, very well and get the best out of him that's for sure yeah definitely and I, I don't think many people would begrudge him winning on the weekend certainly one of racing's good guys and you're right to produce him up and perform that well in Sydney was a big effort unfortunately for us who backed Star Sparks he was too good but we can't blame Tim Clark one of the best rides you'll see at Ramwick as mentioned paced it to perfection unfortunately the horse wasn't good enough now the Pendrith award this week was hotly contested we've had nominees flying in from Twitter there was a few and we're going to mention Peer later in the show, he was certainly a candidate for the Taylor Pendrith Award this weekend. So the reverse flusher, which jockey paced the race? I'm going to say terribly or most poorly. Who rode their horse the most inefficient way over the weekend, both here and in New Zealand? And unsurprisingly at the Valley, there was no contenders. You'll often find at Mooney Valley the races are truly run and you rarely see a Pendrith nominee when they do race at the Valley that Nearly all the races were pretty genuinely run or there weren't too many markups in the race. So we stay in Sydney and Chad Schofield, admittedly Lechvart was slow away, but when the winner of the race, Banana Queen, actually was a Penrith nominee and had settled in the coffin, I think Chad Schofield knew at the top of the straight that the Penrith was certainly coming his way. She finished full of running And while I'm not sure she beats the winner, I think you can comfortably say she should have run a clear second in the race. Having a quick run through that second half of the car there at Randwick, I'm not sure if there's much you'd really want to take out of it, especially those last couple of races. Yep. I think she's one. I'll be following Lekvart where it goes. Admittedly, as I said, was slow away, so Chad sort out his hand, dealt to him early. But the way she finished in the race, she probably should have tested the winner 
had she settled two or three pairs closer because she finished very fast, faster than any horse. When you look at the race shapes for all the races at Ramwick, she ran clearly the most inefficient race. So a win is coming, but I think you're right. This is when the better horses start coming back. There's huge nominations for the Expressway on Saturday. I think there's four. Took me a while to get through them, that's for sure. <laughs> Where are the horses? We always talk about, ah, oh, they're coming back. And then you get the first feature race at the carnival and there's nothing there. So interesting to see, but it does get harder for these level of horses. But off that run on the weekend, Lechbart is one for your black book. Has Chad won a Pendrith before? He I should. feel like he's been on the cusp a number of times. He's been on the cusp a number of times. I often find when you do the sectionals, he can find himself leaving them with too much to do. Do we call him Chris of the East? <laughs> no one's Chris of the East. But no, he uh, he does tend to ride them colder than most, I would say. Keep that in mind. When following him, you'd sort of want a horse to be mapping on speed. I wouldn't want to be backing him back in a back marker because they'll likely be left with too much to do on what we've seen recently anyway. I came in this morning and said to you straight away, how good will it be? The Velvet Queen's gone around and she's not in the Pendrith nominees and won't even get an honourable mention. It's got to be a good day for you, Simo. You're, you're bagging her out. She was almost gone. And there was a big smile on your face before we came into the studio, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, Chris flushed it, which is nice to see because the start prior... Hang on, say it again. Chris flushed it. I'll give him credit where it's due. He got it right on her on the weekend. He did not. The start prior... And I think Saturday just sort of increased my opinion that he got it well and truly wrong the start prior. She actually features in the Around the Grounds. One thing we will mention, just getting back to the Penrith Award, the ride on Kanazawa, I gave out the Penrith Award on Saturday post-race, which is something you should never do. But when you do the sectionals, it wasn't all that bad. However, I think had Dylan had his time over again, he wouldn't have got shuffled as far back as he did. Jumped well, and I think from there... When West of Africa kicked up on the inside, he just didn't do enough to push to cross into the coffin. I'd say if he gets into the coffin, he wins. Instead, he just hesitated a fraction and that allowed West of Africa to kick up. And then when our Mahaha was able to cross him, that's when danger zone. And for the horse to pick up the way he did and only narrowly be beaten, I think if you back Kanazawa on the weekend, including myself, you're pretty stiff not to collect on that horse, but... It happens, it's racing, and still learning the caper, so we won't be too harsh on Dylan. And to add insult to injury, you've backed Bluff and Bluster last start, <laughs> and he's just come out and gone, see you, champ. Uh, always give it, you know, it's the green shadows form, should have known, but, yep. Originally had Kanazawa as winning the Pendrith, but it wasn't when you do the sectionals, and we are a slave to the numbers, and Lechbart was clearly uh, the winner of the Pendrith. As Blanco would say, there are rules to this. There are rules. There are rules. We don't just hand them out to, uh, you know, when we're being sooky losers. Most of the time. Most of the time. <laughs> well, not officially anyway. We save those just for the office. Well, I wouldn't label myself that, but others might. A sook? Yeah. Oh, you're one of the best. One of the best we've seen. Get ready. It's time for Around the Grounds. I actually didn't realise how much work goes into doing the Around the Grounds segment every week. I don't think Adam will listen to this, so it doesn't really matter that I'm giving him a rap, but... A fair bit goes into it, so credit to Adam every week for doing this. He claims he doesn't have time, but I just don't think he likes us. <laughs> so in Melbourne, no surprise, Dancer Dubai was the top twat. Time form with a twist, rating 106. Two on the bounce, ran 102 on the bounce, fringing on Stakes Company off the back of that win. 
and no surprise to see her possibly head to Tasmania, I believe. That was post-race. Yeah, Wiley Dalziel was saying either Melbourne or Tasmania in the post-race interview. He said that Moods also sort of worked her out now. They initially wanted to sell her. They kept her in and they've worked out to keep her fresh, get her down to the beach for eight to ten days, let her relax and keep her to these sprinting trips running fast. So I guess if she goes down to Tassie, there won't be many to keep up with her, especially down that way. Yeah, I generally like to lay leaders up in grade. So I'm interested to see where they go next. But if she goes down to Hobart, she will take plenty of beating down there. And just on the stable, Peter Moody, absolutely airborne. Last six months, 324 runners, 75 winners, so a 23% strike rate. And the market only expected 64. So he's flying and he's beating the market, which isn't easy to do, given he is one that is honed in on by most people doing the form. So to beat the market still, uh, he's certainly a stable you want to find at the moment. And would it be right to say without an out-and-out superstar? Obviously, he's got incentivized, but he hasn't been seen for a year, almost, a year, 18 months almost. So I guess to be doing that without that sort of group one performer is a bit of added merit to it. Yeah, he's very similar. We're going to mention Tony Gollan later in the Around the Ground segment, but he's got a lot of sort of horses in that range of where Dancer Dubai is. But as you mentioned, I think a superstar is incoming. You can't keep doing this and not converting one of them to sort of that top echelon. So I suppose we've been a bit harsh on I wish I win. Winning oh, he's a listed winner, isn't he? <laughs> the Golden Eagle. I think they're sprinting with him. So interesting to see if he can uh, get up to that next bracket because the bracket they're choosing is a lot harder uh, than the one if he'd stayed at sort of the mile 1400. But if they sprint with him, he's going to be very interesting in the carnival. Three months is a long time in racing. He's, he's nobody by now, isn't he? <laughs> he's still one of the more promising ones. In Sydney... Cuban Royale, same rating as Dancer Dubai, 106. Successfully turned the tables on Brunelli. Uh, there was three, just over three lengths between them in the lead up. Although the different race shape on the weekend certainly swung the race back to Cuban Royale. Notched up his first stakes win in the list at Carrington Stakes. For an eight-year-old, he's never been in better form. So a big hat tip to Robert and Luke Price, winning three of his last four. Very astute trainers. They spent a lot of time through our area, south, southeast, New South Wales. And they seem to always have one going around. Obviously, they had Count of Rupee and they had Jamea about the same time. She seems to have maybe lost her way a bit or maybe that's just as good as she is. But you'd almost back that stable in to be able to get the best back out of her, whether it be this season or later on into the spring of this year. Yeah, Cuban Royale, massive. For an eight-year-old to run a new career peak, which he did on the weekend, solidly run race, so he didn't cheat by any stretch. Remarkable. And And a good one for the Bizarro too. Chalk that up as a win. Oh, yeah, Glenn. Just got him. I was a bit worried at the 200. Up to Queensland at Dubin. King Kappa. He ran 102, winning the fifth event on Saturday. He was home a long way out and one of the easiest watches of the weekend. He started off with Toby and Trent Edmonds. He ran 98 at his second start. Admittedly, there's 11 kilos of weight for age in that. Then he went to Joey Pride, had eight starts. He was unable to win. A figure of 91 was his best with Joe. But since joining Tony Gollan, he's unbeaten and return figures 92, 99, 102 and he did it at 1200 metres on Saturday and was strong through the line and just on Tony Gollan, last six months, over 500 runners, 104 winners, 21% strike rate against a market expected 94, so very similar to Peter Moody Tony Gollan is certainly in the chat as one of the best trainers in the country 
Adam mentioned it previously with Tony Golan. He's got a lot of horses around that 100 mark. King Kappa's another one. He just needs that horse to sort of smash through that 110, 115 barrier, hopefully 120. He got himself a real group one horse, but he's remarkably good at getting these horses and getting them back to their best and if not improving off that. Skirt the law, not able to get into that category, you don't think? Well, she's 109. Off winning the Magic Millions, I'm going to say no. But if you were pro, I could see why you would be. Unbeaten in three starts and she did donkey lick them in that Magic Millions and she beat the Breeders and the Gym Crack form. So if you're beating your chest for Skirt the Law, I can see why. Was that his first win at 1,200 for King Kappa? It was. Would he be a bit Garibaldi-esque? This fella or... Yeah, I think the big plus for King Kappa is he races on speed. So he's going to put himself in much better positions than what Garibaldi usually does. 102 at his third start for Tony Golan and one with the bit up the sleeve. I'm sure the stable's confident he can continue uh, to make the rise through the grade. He's another one to keep an eye on exactly where they end up with him. Maybe a Wheatwood horse or something along those lines? Yeah, I think he's fringe stakes company now. So you'd imagine that's their, that's their next logical target for him. Over to Adelaide. Didn't take as much winning the Around the Ground segment this week. East India Man ran to a figure of 89 to take the top twat. Really had to dig deep to bring up the second leg of the Saturday multi. Oh, here we go. Followed up on his good run at Sandown first up and has now won three of his last four. So much like Cuban Royale, despite a seven-year-old, he is flying. I'd say that's him. I don't think he's any better than that. So whether I'll be jumping off after the Saturday, but he was the top twat. Over to Ascot, WA, the Velvet Queen ran 101. She ran 103 to start, Brian. We won't mention her huge markup in the La Trice Classic. Back to 1,500. No surprise to see she was too good for them. Takes a good horse to run down big screen when he gets rolling in front, but she was very good late. The funny thing about the Velvet Queen, when looking at her sectional adjustments, actually had a rate at 101 after seven starts took until start 15 to finally get to that mark, uh, but we knew she had that engine, just needed to be ridden more efficiently, and I'm very interested to see where they go now distance-wise. They have stretched her beyond a mile, but they haven't been truly run races, so I'm not actually sure where she fits in in terms of her distance range. If they were going up in trip, I'd just say settle on speed, find out, because the way they've been running their staying races, you don't have to stay the trip you just got to put yourself in the best position. She's a nice mare. I'd say she'll go for a little break now. And I'm not sure they aim, possibly aim up in the winter. So how much did you have to have on at $1.60 to uh, recoup that eight starts that you've, you've <laughs> lost all that cash on? When I had that adjustment figure of 101, I think I chased her for three or four starts. She got beaten all of them. I knew it's the worst part is, is you know you're right, but sometimes you can be right and you don't collect. And that was a Velvet Queen for a large part of it. But good to see her come back and do it this time in because... You start questioning whether or not you actually have rated it correctly, but she's got there. So, 103? Yep. Mile features? Obviously, in WA, there's a key one, the railway. Where does that leave her sitting around that mark? Yeah, I think she'd be competitive in a railway. It's obviously another step up, but I wouldn't be surprised if she has a big winter, they bring her back in the winter, that is, and then set her for the summer carnival, the pinnacles. A race like the railway, yes, she's got to improve, but... The way she finishes her races, I think there certainly is more there. She's got an engine and I reckon we might get to see it more at the back end of this year. I'd say they're going to chip up and have a go at the better races. How's those margins? One by a nose, lost by a length and a quarter, one by a nose, lost by a neck, one by a half, 
She gives the owners a thrill. She does. Every one of those small margins, she's been finishing fast. She's been an unlucky loser a few times as well. Unless she's paying the bills, that's for sure. Yep, definitely. Nice, nice horse. Another nice horse that we should touch on. That is just so exciting. The Bruce for this week. Where do we begin? There's a few. Well, there's not a few. There's not that many. (laughs) But uh, I guess, do you want to start with the two-year-old? Start with the two-year-old. We'll start with the two-year-old. As we mentioned earlier, Karaka Million day over there at Pukekohe in New Zealand. And the winner, Tokyo Tycoon, very, very impressive to the eye. And the sectionals back it up substantially and could be the best two-year-old anywhere in the Southern Hemisphere right now. He could be off performances. I know everyone will be like, what about King's Gambit? But we can only judge on what he's done on the track and his performance on the weekend. I mean, what a ride. That was unreal. Last inside and then gets him through. Obviously, had to have the horse underneath him, but took a lot of guts uh, to take that run. And Tokyo Tycoon narrated 105 plus, which does King's Gambit's rated 106, but sectionals suggest he could be 110, 111, which pushes him above King's Gambit, who I'd say most would have as the benchmark two-year-old heading towards all the main features. Yeah, eight-pound markup for that win on Saturday. Finishing very fast and finishing all over ethereal star as well so he's head and shoulders better than that field based on the performance on saturday now i want to pose a question without notice by satono aladdin i know his dam was a winner over 1400 meters judging by his performance there on saturday are you saying further the better it's always tricky because he's up now and he's peaked there he's only had three starts but he's done it all in his main preparation so he won on debut back in November, then he had 30 days and then 26 days into Saturday. You'd imagine this is job done. He's won the Karaka Millions. On breeding, you'd say the champagne is tailor-made for him if they want to just bring him over for the size. I mean, off that rating, you know, if he were to run in, say, the Todman two weeks out from the slipper. But the one concern there is he's been fresh four weeks pretty much between his all three runs to date. So... I'm not sure if whether they just go straight into the size, but obviously a very talented horse. And as mentioned, to win from where he was and to slice through the field, and yeah, he looks to be head and shoulders better than those and a serious, serious two-year-old. Is that half the problem where our carnival sort of misalign with each other? Everyone will say New Zealand have never had a good two-year-old anyway, so for us to say that it could come over and be competitive in the slipper. Probably not. Sort of state was one who he ran 115. This guy's 105. So we're saying sort of state would have started in the market in the slipper. I don't think he'd start single figures, but I reckon size champagne. If they can get his prep right, I'd certainly be looking to aim up at those. Golden Rose in the spring? Do you reckon that's where they'd be targeting? Surely. Oh, if we can get, if he gets there, yeah. You'd like to think he'll be a better three-year-old. Have we got a direct line to Mark Walker? He's probably Caulfield Guineas, isn't he? Yeah, have we got a direct line to Mark Walker? <laughs> yeah, he's friend of the show. Friend of the show. And from the same meeting, we better touch on Pierre, who will be heading to Sydney this autumn carnival. We'll be first up in Australia in the Hobartville. Unsure of what happens to him after that. It was a very, very horrible watch if you had backed him. On Saturday, he settled towards the rear and he struck trouble a couple of times in the straight, but he was able to weave through and hit the line very, very hard. 
Only beaten uh, just under half a length there, and sectionals have him winning the race by about a length and a half. So currently rated 102. You'd assume he's better than that. His peak rating over a mile is 109 last campaign when winning the 2,000 guineas. Some famous names have won that 2,000 guineas. Sacred Falls, Jimmy Shoe, just to name a couple. Aegon came over and was obviously very, very hard to beat. But I guess he's very interesting in the Bruce Award winner for this week because who will he have to beat in the Hobartville in only a few weeks' time now? Golden Miles probably heading there. I guess he's almost following the Animo prep from last year. First up in the Expressway on Saturday. But behind Golden Mile, there's doesn't seem to be anything that... there. I mean, I guess they're all about the same, right? Yeah, so Golden Mile follows the Animo path except a lot slower. So he's rated 115. Hence what's following. Yeah, following. He'll be... Animo could have picked up and carried him. But 114, Piers rated 109. And away from Af Cabin, as much as I don't like to admit it, Golden Mile is the top seed for these three-year-old features as it stands. We're obviously waiting for something to emerge. But Jackano is sprinting, so he won't be going that way. Af Cabin, I think, is... The best. Golden Mile sort of a bit unfair given fourth in the Golden Rose, won the Caulfield Guineas. But I think most would have Af Cabin as having more upside than Golden Mile. But I think Pierce certainly stacks up well off that. He should have won on the weekend. And I know those are backed, you might want to hear it, but you were very unlucky. He should have collected. And he's only really lightly raced. And I know we've been a bit harsh on Golden Mile. I think for me, the best three year old miler. I would expect them to sort of be rated 120 or higher. So that's why I sort of look down my nose at Gold Mile, expect these horses to be better than what they are. So I think they're right for the tagging. The Hobartville, he's going to hit that off a good run first up. And interesting to see Gold Mile, how many rivals he has in the expressway on the weekend. Only four nominated, as we touched on earlier. So intrigued to see what he does against the older horses, Gold Mile. But... I think if a Kiwi's going to come over and win our features, why couldn't it be this year? And you believe Gold Mile is only a 1,400 metre horse as well, correct? Yeah, I don't think he's a miler. Bayer Stern and his mum was a winner at 1,200, never seen beyond that. I'd be surprised if he's a top-end miler. I'd say 1,400 would be his go. Therefore, the Ram Guineas is wide open. I would have thought that's where Pierre can slide in. Because Golden Mile pulls up stumps, Ranwick Guineas, Peer can probably catch him on the hop. Afghaman has trialed. We've just watched that. Good trial too. Yep. But coming off a bleed, you not never really know what to do with these sort of gallopers. It could happen at any time, I guess, from now on. Especially considering it happened to him at track work as well, not in a race. He could be relatively vulnerable. So, yeah, I think Peer, he'll come in with a bit of fitness under his belt and maybe be able to um, catch him on the hop. Well, the interesting thing for Pierre is Australian Guineas and Randwick Guineas run on the same day. Af Cabin is going to be the top seed, I'd imagine, whichever way he goes. If he runs in Sydney, I go down and run in, run in the Australian Guineas in Melbourne. Af Cabin is similar to Gold Mile in the sense he's by Stern and out of shelters who, similar to Gold Mile, she was 1,200 max. And so the two main mile contenders for Godolphin on breeding, you'd, you'd say maybe a stretch. But Afcabin looks to 
have come back in good order. Ellipticals, another one that sort of fits in that mould. Jack and O's favourite or equal favourite for the Australian Guineas at the moment, but I'm pretty sure they're sprinting uh, with him. So I think Pierce certainly fits in. You'd like to think one of those horses is going to take the step and break that 120 barrier this time in, but no reason to think Pierre can't. Price here has certainly got a few nice ones. Legato, we won't talk about that. No, I just saw her there in the on the equal second line of betting. It was, uh, I mean, I guess Blinks touched it on it in the preamble where getting back from an inside draw, but I mean, there was no proactiveness or initiative shown at all, really, by Ryan Elliott. He drew inside and he thought or hoped more than anything that he'd hold a spot and we'd be able to see what she's really, really made of because what she's shown so far is pretty explosive, but no bueno on Saturday and she copped a huge bump at the top of the straight and if it wasn't already over, it was by that point, that's for sure. Yeah, strange not to want to use that inside draw because when you start, if they do want to come over here and race our best fillies, you can't just flop out the back and expect to round them up. She's done that to the sort of lesser opposition. I was hoping they'd want to use that draw but came out neutral and then it was bad decision after bad decision and a complete uh, forgive for her to finish as close as she did was sickening if you backed her. She'd have to be heading towards that binary as Adam touched on in the preamble. She should be even better beyond a mile. Certainly the way she finished her start two back. She's Extreme's current favourite. Sue Gotcha's in there as well. She's Extreme. We don't even know if she stays. We do. <laughs> So I think Legato, if she comes over, she's going to be a massive chance. The Kiwis, I think they're pretty armed. They've Ju- got a good hand. They've got a good hand judging by Karaka. I know it's only January, so we haven't even seen our good ones come back yet. So they are ahead of the head of the ball in that sense. Don't get too carried away in January. But they've fired a few big shots, I think, across the bow there. And you'd imagine they're certainly going to be uh, competitive in the autumn. Imperatrice, Legato... Pierre, I think, as you touched on, should be competitive heading towards either the Randwick Guineas or the Australian Guineas. And then Tokyo Tycoon with the two-year-olds. Show me a more impressive win away from King's Gambit this season. Skirt the law is probably banging down the door. What about me? But how he did it was more impressive for me about Tokyo Tycoon. He overcame. He was just so much better than them. So looking forward to see what they do with him. We'll be back with the punters preamble. Huge, huge preamble on Friday because we won't be recording on Australia Day. I don't think I've seen you this excited for a race. I think it's safe to say who wins on Sunday is the best horse in Hong Kong. What do you say? Yeah, I'm hot. I'm excited. Classic mile as well. First leg of the four-year-old series. Finally get to see what Bonza Perla and all and Jungle Magnate and uh, Harley moving. They should all be there. So pretty exciting day on Sunday and can't wait to get stuck into it later in the week and... Uh, Hopefully find a couple of winners along the way too. Who's your lean at this stage? Romantic Warrior, the Spangle, or do you go with the champ Golden 60? Well, I feel like I've already taken a shot because I didn't get on Romantic Warrior $3.20. So I've had to take my medicine now. And the market's sort of trending towards Romantic Warrior and California Spangle being the two favourites. So we won't touch on it. We'll get into it on Friday. But surely you've got about Golden 60 then. If it starts the outsider of the three... Yeah, that'd be that'd be my lane. It's an interesting head to head with California Spangler and Magic Warrior. No, no, no. We'll leave it. Just we'll leave it. Keep keep we'll uh, keep it in the back. Keep keep the customers coming back, mate. <laughs> keep it on. Uh, we'll keep that on the back burner. But no, very. That is one of the races uh, of the year. We're only in January, but in terms of Hong Kong racing, I can't remember 
a big trio all featuring in one race that weren't sprinters. Like this is massive. So there's going to be a lot of strong opinions and I can't wait to hear yours on Friday. Thanks for tuning in. We'll speak to you then. Cheers.